39 of the Triathlon Age Group Journey podcast. I am Jillian Carlson along with Jay Cunay and Matt Summer. We are everyday age group triathletes living the dream, balancing work, family, and the sport that we love so much, swim, bike, and run. Today, we're really excited, as promised, back on episode three, we had a special guest, Kay Grant, also known as the old bag, B-A-G, badass grandma. She was taking on her first full-distance Ironman, and so today, we are really excited to have her back on the podcast because she did, in fact, become an Ironman last weekend at Ironman Sacramento. So we definitely want to hear her story of how the prep went, the training leading into Sacramento, and then just how the day went for her. So before we get catching back up with Kay, Jay, Matt, how's your week been? Going fairly well. I'll be honest, I'm a little nappy, I guess. I I fell asleep a little (laughs) little bit ago after a long run this morning that was only supposed to be out for two hours, 20 minutes. I ended up being out for three hours, 20 minutes because I was doing a little bit of mapping and got off track in a, a segment that I hadn't finalized. And clearly I still have some work to do to figure out how to connect a couple dots on the map. So I was doing a lot of walking and bushwhacking when I was supposed to be running. So anyway, it was still a lot of fun. I, I just love being out there. It's a great way to start a weekend for sure. I started it at dark, so the headlamp didn't help me find my way in the in the bushwhacking madness, but it was great. And uh, we had a special heat wave that showed up. It's 83 degrees today for some reason out of nowhere. Wow. So uh, the cold weather's supposed to come back later this week. So that was also a little bit different than what I've experienced the last few weeks. But things are going well and getting getting the mileage built up, ready to do this long run in three and a half weeks. So getting excited. Yeah, it was warm here too in North Carolina today. I mean, just uncharacteristic. It was a high of 88. I definitely got hot this afternoon. So uh, still glad I had the air conditioning on, but it's been an interesting week for me. I call it recalibration week, you know, assessment week. First time I've really had assessments on my books in uh, quite some time just because of all the racing this past season. It was fun to get back to it. Had FTP and swim assessment this week waiting for the right opportunity to do my run assessment. I got a buddy that'll pace me. So waiting for him to be in town so we can get out there and throw that down. But I was pleased all around, lost a little bit, emphasize a little bit on the FTP. I was pleased with that considering I haven't been really doing development training. So uh, I was pleased with that about one and a half percent. So not too bad. And then in the pool, you get what you work for. I mean, I'll be honest, hadn't been in there as much as I need to be, but it was good to get back in there, reset, refocus, and ready to make some progress. So uh, excited about that. So not too much else. Uh, my son was home last weekend for for fall break. So that was nice to have him around the house. Decided to go to my uh, college homecoming last Friday night and had a good reminder that I'm not 19, 20, or 21 anymore. Definitely uh, got out there and had a little bit of fun. And you know, you live, you learn. Definitely uh, felt that all week and still trying to catch up on sleep, I think, but it was a good time. So how about you, Jillian? Yeah, I think recalibration was a, a good word. So I'm also in assessment week myself. Although in the pool, sometimes I like to think you don't always get what you work for. Sometimes I think I work and I don't get what I deserve, maybe. But um, <laughs> I eight months of work and I got an extra one second off the 400 and 200. But that's all right. I'll, t- I'll take it. I-, I feel better in the pool. So I'm still holding out hope that 
you know, eventually that click will happen and it'll all be worth it in the end. But at least I enjoy going to the pool more. So that's always good. Yeah. And the bike was a little bit down from maybe where I wanted to be. But if I'm realistic and honest about how the last three, four months have gone for me and my while I, you know, usually I'm very consistent. I've obviously chosen just some family and life events to happen, which has taken me away from training. So truly not as consistent as I have been. And so, but that's something that I know I'll rebound and rebuild from. And I think COVID did hit me again. So it's taken me a little bit longer to recover, not longer than the first time, but just longer than I thought or have heard other people take. But I remain hopeful. And today had a solid bike and runoff felt good and just slowly, slowly rebuilding and getting back into the routine actually, but not doing the run. I haven't had any speed work and I learned from earlier in the year that if I go try and do a 5k when I don't build into it properly, um, that is when my hamstring does not get happy and I end up moving into walk run protocol. And so I love the 5k. It's not out of fear of doing it. It's out of fear of regressing and starting all over again. So I think it's the right approach. Talk to Matt about it. And he was in agreement that it's probably not a good idea to go to a 5k this weekend. So I'm good. Well, Matt, what do you say? Kick off the quote of the week. Well, the quote I went with this week actually falls in line personally, and I think for you as well, Jillian, with the whole recalibration mindset. But the quote I went with is, patience, persistence, and perspiration make an unbeatable combination. And that's kind of what I'm going with for the next, for this development phase. I mean, I just got to be patient, got to be persistent, and I got to be ready to sweat. And if I bring those three things to the table, it's going to be different next round, I guarantee you. And, you know, when I put my mind to something, um, I'm pretty determined and I like to follow through and not disappoint myself. Um, I always worry about me, not expectations of others or trying to impress others with my work is trying to impress myself with my work. And that's something I really stressed all the athletes I work with are no expectations. It's between you and yourself. And uh, whether it's racing, whether it's training or in life in general, if you compete with yourself, that's good. But when you start competing with others, you tend to lose your focus. And uh, I think that applies to all areas of life. But what do you guys think? I know you said I don't like you get what you work for. I think at the end of the day, though, you do. You get what you work for. But I think that the number one part of your quote is the patience part comes into play. And I think that's where if I when I don't like that quote, it's because I haven't been patient enough. And I feel like I've worked hard for this, you know, short stint or whatever time period, and it should be enough to pay off and and reward me for it. And I don't get it right away. And so then I might get frustrated and not think that that quote is relevant. But at the end of the day, the biggest piece I'm missing is that patience. And so the more I adopt the patience, which I'm working really hard, and I think I've done a much better job at even just this week in the mindset of having that patient mindset, get back in, get the training going, and just watch things slowly move hopefully in the right direction. If they don't, then you just get back on that horse and you stay persistent and and you keep fighting for it. And then you just stay patient because it, it will pay off. Or as long as you enjoy the journey along the way, then if for some reason, due to different circumstances, injury, age, whatever it is, if even if you against you five years ago isn't trending in the direction you want it to be, as long as if you're enjoying what you're doing, then you're not really at a loss. How many times have you heard persistence and consistency being used interchangeably? 
but I think the reality is persistence is what leads to consistency because persistence has that element of when it gets hard, you need to still do it. You need to keep pushing through. Uh, or if there's opposition to you getting your plan done, persistence is what you have to follow through, which leads to consistencies. I like the uh, the combination of these three, the three Ps. So that's how I'm writing that yep. one down. Kay, what do you think about this one? I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, like Jillian, I, I I don't think you always get what what you uh, how did how was it worded what, what you think you put into it or whatever but I think if your mindset is that I'm giving it the best I have to give today and that may not be that may not be the same as it was yesterday and it may not be the same as it'll be tomorrow but but I'm here and I'm going to be persistent I'm going to bring what I have to the table today and just keep bringing it and just keep bringing it and it's it's like it's like anything. We're talking about training, but I think it's that way about absolutely any habit you want in life. If if you're if you want to change something, it it takes consistency to go back to your word, Jay. You know, you you have to keep doing it. And there's all those studies that talk about like if you do something for two weeks or whatever. Well, no, if you quit doing it, it'll go right back. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll yeah. easily go back to the same old rotten stuff if you quit doing it. But whatever you want to change, whether it's, whether it's exercise, whether it's diet, whether it's being kind to people, whether it's Bible study time, whether it's choosing to not watch garbage on TV and waste time, you know, whatever it is, you'll go back to it if you aren't guarding the door. <laughs> Absolutely. Showing up is step number one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, good one, Matt. Let's get right into it. So as I mentioned in the beginning, we're welcoming back Kay Grant. She was our second guest from episode number three on Triathlon Age Group Journey podcast. And we are having her back to talk about the lead into Ironman Sacramento and becoming an Ironman. Kay, talk us through, it's been what, a year since um, we last talked to you and a year and a half since you started this journey towards your full Ironman. What, what has that been like for you? What the ups and the downs, et cetera? Talk us through that journey. Uh, there's been both. <laughs> there's been ups, there's been downs. Nobody ever likes listening to their own voice, but I, I went and listened to episode three today on my bike. I mean, it was, it was kind of funny. I was <laughs> thinking about my runner girls and they're not any better. Let me just start off with that. <laughs> my runner girls are still, they're still in the down, but there's ups and downs in the journey. And there were some really high points and there was a major, really low point with Ironman 70.3 Oregon this year. Um, so um, first, I think I just have to start off. I know that this is not an advertisement, but um, oh, I'll cry again. Um, <laughs> I am so blessed by Matt Summer. <laughs> and um, I'm firing him after our talk on Tuesday, but, um, so somebody else grab the spot, grab it because you will not, um, be disappointed. He, um, yeah, if there were so many times when I would just go, 
what am I going to do now? What shall I do? Can I do this? And he would just take me through it, whatever it was, a high or a low. I laughed listening to myself this morning because on uh, episode three, Matt did talk about how I cry all the time. <laughs> and I do. I cry a lot. Um, but I did not cry at, at Sacramento. I didn't cry. Wow. It was really funny. Um, I, uh, I could not quit smiling. It, even if I tried, it was just like, whoa, this is such an excitement. And um, I started off having had that really bad experience in Oregon. Many of you who are listening to this don't know, but I ended up having an experience with SIPE. And SIPE stands for either sports-induced pulmonary edema or swimming-induced pulmonary edema. And most doctors don't have a clue how to deal with it. If you Google it and look it up, it'll it'll show up on your Google that the the two most common groups of people who get it are Navy SEALs and triathletes. So, it, you know, they're both groups of people that, for the most part, are in pretty darn good shape. So it's not from being out of shape. It's not, uh, it's not from having big anxiety uh, about the water. I had no anxiety when I went in in Oregon. It just came out of absolutely nowhere. And what it is is like this sudden onset of asthma, and I don't have asthma. And so you're coughing and coughing and coughing like you inhaled water but you didn't. And you can't breathe and the cough gets worse and you're, it's frothy and bloody. So you're coughing and coughing. And so anyway, long story short, the paramedics pulled me out of the water. They said I had to quit. I said, no, I'm not quitting and you can't make me quit. And they said, well, um, if you get back in, you're going in against medical advice. And I, I'm an old trauma nurse. So I said, yeah, I know all about against medical advice, but I'm going back in anyway, and I'll take myself out if I, you know, if I need to. So I got out, and I literally coughed for the next six hours straight. I coughed the whole bike ride, and I couldn't run. I, I'd run a maximum of about 100 steps, and then the coughing would just be horrible. So it was a walk. And with SIPE, usually it completely clears when you when you stop doing the thing that brought it on. Like if you if if you're in the water and they pull you out, usually they might give you a little oxygen or a little adrenaline, and it's and it's over. But I caused damage to myself because I carried on and because I kept coughing and coughing and coughing. So f five days later, I was at the doctor and my oxygen levels kept falling really badly. I dropped to about 50 just walking 10 steps. And um, it was because of the damage from coughing. So they had to do a CAT scan to make sure I didn't have a, an embolus. And, and of course I didn't. It was just stupid you know, I just caused it to myself, but I don't care. I'm glad I did it. And then I went to USAT Nationals. And so there was this, you know, little fear level, like, okay, what's going to happen? And Matt talked to me and he said, look, Nationals is not your goal. Uh, California is your goal. So if you, you promise me, if you get in the water and you start having any trouble, you get the blank out of that water and just, <laughs> you know, it, end it. You don't need to accomplish USAT Nationals. It's not your goal. 
And so I went for a practice swim the day before, and it was fine. And I talked to him, and I said it was fine. And so he said, okay, go ahead and do it. But if you have any issues, stop. This is not your goal. <laughs> and so um, it went fine. In fact, it was actually a PR, and it was it was quite good. And so I'm like, okay, it's all over. Continued the training. The you know the that last what six weeks is hard. <laughs> That's just all there is to it. It's hard. Those those bike rides are so long, and when you're a slow athlete, those bike rides are seven hours. You know, so yeah. four of them for seven hours, and you learn about the seams in your <laughs> tri shorts. <laughs> you know? like, wrong placement. You know, um, I don't care. <laughs> how much goo or gel or any product you put there, there's a seam that just, so, okay, next week we'll try this. Nope. There's a seam there. And, um, you know, they're long, they're just long rides. That's all there is to it. So it was hard. Um, it was hot. Uh, we live at a little bit of elevation, about 2,300 uh, feet elevation and there isn't a ride that you can do that doesn't have hills. So um, every ride had, you know, probably somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 feet up and down. And um, so I felt strong and prepared and ready to go to California. And um, figured out to wear two pairs of tri shorts, one that doesn't have a seam. So that one's next to the skin, and it just kind of has this chamois that goes down your legs. I, I don't know if we can do a, a spot, but it's Core, the brand, and the chamois goes right down the legs with no seam at ugly places. They also have no padding at any place. So then I put a <laughs> pair of Zoot over them, and that worked really nicely. Okay. So, yeah, I got to California after Oregon. Brian and I came home and we said, we're going to, we're going to expand and go two days earlier so that I have time to get in the river because it's a down river swim too. But it was awesome. It was really, really nice. It was a beach entry, not a jump off a dock. Boom, you're carried okay. away entry. It was a beach walk in. You can, you know, fill your wetsuit with water. You get, put your face in and then go. And um, it's two rivers. The American River has a slower current. And then by the time it converges with the Sacramento River with the faster current, then you're, you know, you're halfway done. You're already kind of used to that current thing. So it was awesome. I, I just, I loved it. I was, you know, you can't hear anything, of course. So I'm singing praises and just <laughs> like so thankful. And, and it was just, it, if I could smile in the water, there was a smile. I just loved it. <laughs> I got out of the water. I run up the dock. The harbor seals, seal harbor. What what are they called? Harbor seals. Harbor uh, seals. Yeah, yeah. yeah harbor yep. seals. They're barking out there. They're just you know they're they're big big things, and they're out there just <laughs> with their blubber you know. cheering for you. <laughs> they are. They're like right there on the dock, and they are so big, and they're barking. But anyway, it was great. Got out all smiles, happy. It was wonderful. Ran up to the dock. Ran over to transition, put on my running stuff or biking stuff. The sun was gone. There was no sun, but it was not raining. And, and so it was nice, just, you know, cloudy, not going to be too hot. Slight headwind the whole way out, two 56-mile loops. Nice little bit of a tailwind coming back. 
just started loop number two and the the terrible drought that California has been having for the last two years ended. It just completely <laughs> ended. And so the, the heavens opened and it just poured and poured and poured. It was cold pouring and I couldn't quit smiling. You know, I, um, I was dressed like an idiot. I had on, you know, zoot Hawaii flower print. I had on hot pink and black compression knee things on, striped, that totally didn't match the, um, <laughs> the, the zoot. And then it was cold, so I had tri-dot red jacket on. And then I had these gloves on my hand that I was planning to throw away. And, of course, I'm a cheapskate, so they weren't like nice biking gloves. They were these cheapy gloves you get at the Christmas race here. So one is red and one is green. And so I look up. <laughs> I look like a complete idiot, but I was planning to throw away the gloves and I was planning that the red tri-dot striped jacket would come down and then I'd only look partially like a clown, but nothing ever came off. It was, it was cold. And, um, so stepped off the, uh, bike at a porta potty close to the end and just slid down this muddy bank got grass stuck up in the cleats. It was just thick mud and hobbled my way back up to the street and wondered why everybody was stopped there looking for sticks to try to get the mud out of their cleats. I figured out very quickly, I was among them trying to get all the mud out, never could get it out of my left cleat. That's how I never was cleated in for the last 35 miles. But anyway, there it was. And after the turnaround, coming back, there was this full-on, full-sky rainbow. It was oh, wow. so incredible. It was so incredible. And I'm just having such a good time. And I just keep hollering at people that either I'm passing or they're passing me. And I'm going like, look at that rainbow. Do you see that rainbow? Isn't that cool? God is saying that we're going to make it. This is so good. It was so pretty. I love it. And so um, people are like, Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, so then got back and I was my sweet, incredible, loving husband of 51 years, legal, legally married 51 years, <laughs> was, was he managed to be everywhere. He just, and it turned out he looked at his Garmin the next day. He did do a half marathon that day. So wow. he was, you know, running here to there and the other, he would, he was wonderful. But I get off the bike, I get into transition. You're running on that red carpet and it goes splat, 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 because there's so much water. By the, by the end, most of the um, cheering squads had left. You know, it was just so cold. Anyway, get in there. I bend over to pick up my, my uh, bag and somebody had, had already done it. They'd already picked it up. And so there's that, this drawstring that is tight. Well, somebody had taken that out. There was no drawstring. And the bag was open, so it was like a oh. bucket. And so my shoes, my socks, thoughts of dry clothes, my towel. Oh. I had a little towel in there. To, nope. It was all swimming in about two inches of water. So, um, oh. so everything was drenched right from the get-go. And so I'm out on the run wet from 
the beginning. And I, my toes weren't made for it. So very, very quickly, I'm feeling this hot spot that just isn't going to end literally before mile two. And so by the end, when I peeled off my, my very wet socks and shoes, <laughs> I had blisters all over the bottom of my feet, blisters on oh, every man. toe, blood blisters all over my baby toes, on my bunions, oh. and blisters between my toes. I've never seen oh, blisters gosh. between toes, you know, but anyway, there you go. That's what it was. And, wow. and then my nemesis, nausea. Nausea started right at about mile two. And so I wasn't able to take in any nutrition the entire uh, run. I would take their Gatorade, which nothing new on race day. I'd, it was the only thing I could do. Um, so I'd mm -hmm. grab a little Gatorade. I could take like one sip, maybe two, and I'd be just looking for a place to vomit. But it, I, I breathed deeply. I kept taking slow steps. I got over it. I took Tums. It lasted for about almost 10 miles before it repeated, and um, but I couldn't take anything in. So I did the entire uh, marathon in a very slow pace, but with no nutrition. And um, Wow. So anyway, mm. it is what it is, and it rained, and it was cold. And about mile 22, when it was pitch black, and I was losing the smile just just a little bit. <laughs> By that point, like you could, you could actually hear the loudspeakers even from you know a couple miles away, and I'm like, I'm just so ready to be done. And the marathon turned out to be 26 and a half miles. Everybody, every everybody's Garmin said that, and so it's like that last three tenths was just not a. It wasn't that amusing, um, <laughs> but um, but when I got near the people again in spite of it all the smile just returned and i felt a peace i felt a calm i felt a, a joy like i'd never felt i did not cry i did vomit <laughs> <laughs> i got through the finish line they gave me my my uh medal i sat down on a chair and i i didn't have anything in my stomach to vomit but it, you know I, a tiny bit of nothing came out so the, these poor little, these poor, cute little volunteers, you know, they don't know what to do. So they go, oh, my God, I've got to get you to the medical tent. So they stick me in a wheelchair. They wheel me over to the medical tent and they go, what's your number? And I said, 578, but I'm not staying here. And they said, well, you have to stay here. You're, you've been wheeled in. And I go, I'm not staying here. I've, I've vomited. I feel better now. And, uh, and so this one coach comes up and he says, okay, get back in there. It's 70 degrees in there. And you'll get warmed up, you know, because it's so cold out here. And he said, I sat in there for 45 minutes. Go in. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be in here with nobody. I want to be out with you guys. <laughs> so I went out and sat with everybody, put on a jacket, put on a hat, put on gloves, tried to hold the uh, the hot broth that they gave me to warm me up. And it was shaking so bad, you know, like this. It just kept spilling. But it was it was all good. It was marvelous. I'm so glad I did it. It was an experience like nothing else. And people always talk about how there's nothing like your first. Well, I, I agree. There's nothing like my first, so I'm not going to do anymore. <laughs> and this is six days later. So it's not, you know, the day after. It's a, 
it's it's a really brutal long time to be out there. And so I was shocked. I was just shocked. I was, uh, there were 10 women in my age group. Nine of us finished. I was eighth out of 10 when I finished the swim. When I finished the bike, I had moved all the way up to second. For a while, I was first when I finished. And so that was, that was weird because everybody's like, you're first, you're first, you're first. You know, and 10 minutes later, I was second. But it's okay. It's all good. And um, I won really, truly a spot to Nice, France. You know, I mean, it wasn't because I stood around and waited until they felt sorry for me. I actually won it. and Because, you know, women for try give those extra slots. And so there were 60 slots available for women. And I think poor men only got 35. And there's like double the amount of men as there are women. So in essence, we got four times the slots. So I got a slot. And I had talked to Matt that morning because by by that point, I realized I was second. And I said, should I or shouldn't I? And we both agreed I shouldn't. It's uh, for many, many, many reasons. It's just not, it's not a good race for me. You know, I, I my first 20 years of nursing was neurotrauma. And um, I have a really healthy fear of head injury. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that I could get some big old granny gear and muscle through a tortuous 8,000-foot climb, but I do have uh, really big doubts that I could come down 8,000 feet going around hairpin turns, and I just don't have the bike skills, you know. I'm a, I'm a tough, gritty old bag, but I, I don't have those skills. I, I, I'm an adult learner on a bike, you know, and when I see my grandkids out doing these jumps and turns and stuff, I'm like, whoa, you know, I, I, I never had a bike. I don't know how to do it. And that's not a good choice for me. I have to admit, I have to admit, if it had been Kona, I would have taken it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. There you go. That's it. Wow. Okay. One thing that jumped out at me, through your story was the amount of experience you showed on race day. And it comes because you've been racing. You know how to race. You know what your body feels like and what it does. Finishing an Ironman is about managing the day. And you had to manage the day in so many ways. And I hope our listeners caught a lot of the little tips that you just rattled off. As And this is your first Ironman. Wow. Great job. It's just managing the wet, managing the stomach distress having Tums, dealing with a wet clothes and know that you just got to get through it and the mindset and the smile and the gratitude, boy, what a great story. I'm, I'm almost speechless. There is no reason to not be grateful. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bad it is. Those puddles, I kid you not, we're like three inches deep. You can go and see my posting and there's this brown, brown film around my shoes uh, of how deep the puddles were. Um, And I think the biggest lesson I learned, I listened to myself from last year and I said, um, you have to be willing to be bad. You have to be willing to not think you're going to be on the podium. It was a shock to me, total shock. Um, but the biggest lesson I learned 
because I'm very often the cheerleader, is how much those cheerleaders like you to interact with them. Um, mm. they, they'd be standing out there in the rain, in the cold, and they're going, go, go, go. And they don't know you. And you just give them a smile and say thank you. And they just get so excited. And especially the families with the little kids, they've got little kids out there. And how much effort does it take on your part to just say, thank you. Great cheerleading. You're doing such a, you're doing a great job. Thank you. And these little kids, you know, they've got their button for you to press to get juice from. <laughs> and uh, they're putting their hand out there, you know, to get a high five. And really, what does it slow you down? You know, in the big picture of things, the 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 fast racers, somebody broke a course record. Uh, of course, it's always canceled. But anyway, he was truly, truly fast. Um, but we were on one part. I was coming in the last four miles of loop one, and they were coming in on loop two. And they were flying idiots. You know, they are so focused. They won't, you know, other greeters, other cyclists are the ones who have to move away and run into the cones because they're plowing. Other people try to greet them and say, great job. And they look at you like you're a bad person for greeting them. And I just feel sorry for them because they might get a podium. They might be seen as the best, but they're missing the joy. And I'm not saying they don't have any joy. I, I take that back. You can edit it. Um, but, um, but I, I learned for me personally that the cheerleaders deserve recognition and they deserve your smile. And, and so that's why I couldn't quit smiling because they're all out there. You know, they deserve, they deserve to know that what they're trying to give you is appreciated. And so that was my mm -hmm. biggest lesson is interact with the cheerleaders. Another awesome. I was going to say, I know I've been pretty quiet so far. Very uncharacteristic of me, but I was struggling coming onto this podcast. I, I didn't know how I was going to react, and I promised myself I wouldn't cry. And I mean, ah, uh, God, Kay, the past, I don't know how long, 18 months that you and I have been together have been amazing. And I remember all the talks we've had, all the coach calls we've had, all the doubts, all the tears, all the laughs. And on that, I remember that night you called me and said, Hey, do you think I can do this? It was a text. And I picked up the phone and called you right back. And I said, what kind of question is that? Of course you can do this. I remember. And I wasn't going to let you do it alone at all. And we teamed up and look what you did throughout this whole process. I remember the doubts, the fears, and I kept reminding you, I kept reminding you, you can do this. You are the badass grandma. And any any challenge that came our way, we chatted about it. We found a solution. We adapted. We pivoted. And we came up with a solution. And we just kept putting things into practice, putting things into play until we found the perfect combination. All the adversity you dealt with on race day, you were prepared for. You knew how to adapt, maybe not the puddles, maybe not all the rain, maybe not the cleats, but I mean, you found a way. And I do remember, I, I told you two things on race day that you could not do. Do you remember? One of them, this might not be what you're thinking, but one of them was to not try to meet others' expectations, but 
you know, that it was my race and my day and it's about what I can do that day. Um, and this might yeah. not be what you were thinking either. <laughs> so as a coach, you probably don't. but that no matter what I did, I wasn't going to disappoint you. I, I would not disappoint. That's what I remember. You might have something else in mind, but I remember you saying you will not disappoint me. No yeah. matter. You couldn't ever, but the two, the two specific things, and you've already talked about the one was the smile. I told you, do not take that smile off your face all day long. And I told you, do not lose the spirit that you have because your spirit illuminated the way for everyone else along the way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Your smile and your spirit illuminated the path for so many people that day as a cheerleader and as an athlete and as a participant, as a grandmother, as a parent, as a spouse. So many people that were there that day were there because of you, not because of expectations of you but because you were shining this light that gave them hope, this light that gave them a belief that they could do it. Not all the listeners, but some of our listeners will know this, but it wasn't just on race day, right, Kay? This was leading up to race day. How many racer, How many people that were out at Sacramento were there because there's a slogan, Kay made me do it, right? So Kay, I, you know, the, the energy, the joy, the smile that you have just in your everyday training and just living and breathing the lifestyle and being a part of the community, right? We talk about the triathlon community a ton, but it's so real. And you're a huge part of the community. And you're a huge part of having a great race on your race day, but you also and you know, the volunteers and the cheerleaders made your day. But you have such a huge part in so many other people that showed up to that start line. So TriDot Triathlon Training is where, you know, Kay is a part of the community there. How many people showed up? There were 60 people at a brunch lunch that you held, right? Just celebrating Kay being there. And but over a hundred TriDot racers showed up on the day and a good chunk of those literally signed up once they heard that Kay was doing it. They're like, we want to join you in this. Maybe we didn't think we'd ever want to do an Ironman again. Um, yeah, some people had swore off, but it was like, well, if, Kay, if Kay's doing this, I'm going to be there for her. And I think you brought a lot out of people, of other people too, that they they didn't think they had it in themselves either. So just a huge, another part of the story of, of Kay's journey in getting to the start line and on race day as well is just the impact and inspiration that she had for so many other people to show up on that day as well. And I think it's just amazing. I mean, I know I told you there were no expectations that day. I think my exact words were, you have the pen to this story. It's yours to write. You did say that. You get to choose... You get to choose every detail. You get to choose every turn. It was like the best choose your adventure book ever, you know? <laughs> and I mean, you got to write every single chapter and craft it how you wanted it to be. And I would say you did a damn good job finishing second on the podium. Here's Kay in our last podcast, right? Like, or even at other local races that you've done and like, yeah, I'm bringing up the back and the last one across, or you're like, yay, I made a podium. I was two out of two. <laughs> and then here you are, we're tracking you and we're like, holy crap. Are you, 
K's in second out of 10. <laughs> and then, you know, the same thing we're following and we're like, she's in she's in first, like legit. And you have to wait 17 minutes for the person who started later than you to figure out, okay, did that person also, you know, stay the same pace? And then you're like, yes, yes, yes. It's actually first. And it's so funny. I know uh, John Mayfield was out there and I remember Matt had already uh, like fallen asleep and he kept going in and out. He'd like wake up, check the tractor and then try to keep eyes open. But I was like, Matt can't text Brian anymore. And I was like, I'm just going to message John Mayfield and be like, you see Kay Grant, you tell her go. Cause it was like, she, we're in the last few miles. Right. And then, you know, of course, so many people to Kay. I mean, we're just watching that tracker and posting on yep. social and stuff. Oh, Kay's, you know, Kay's got it. Da, da, da. And, <laughs> and I'll say that even when it dropped back, it was, it was more like, Oh no, I hope Kay's okay. And you know, I know how Ironman go. Like, it's so easy to just all of a sudden not feel well or, you know, have to take that break and whatnot. But as long as we just needed to see you get to that next timing, Matt, and even you going back into second place, it wasn't like a, okay, lost it. Like it was never that. It was still like, oh man, whatever she's had to deal with, we can't wait to hear the story. Um, <laughs> but still, at the end of the day, I mean, A, just super excited and amazing for you, you know, finishing and with a really strong time too, right? Kay, you were not pushing even with, even with the fact it was a downriver swim and let's say you pretend it took you, you know, an hour 20 or an hour 40, you still were well within the cutoff on every one of those parts. Like you crushed it out there. And I think you should be so proud of that because um, through the hard work and all the training you've put in, you're not just barely meeting cutoff. You're not the back of the pack. I mean, you're freaking second in your age group. <laughs> and you did amazing. So congratulations. Thank you so much. It was such a shock, especially by the end of the run, because, you know, it wasn't a run. <laughs> it was definitely not a run. But it wasn't a run for any of us, you know, and that's, and that's the that's what kept me in second, which was such a shock. I, you know, I've always been bottom of the pack and, and okay with it. You know, um, last time you, I was on, you asked me, you know, um, since you're always last or close to last, Jillian, you asked, so what, what makes you keep coming back? What makes you keep doing the training? What makes you keep doing it when, when you're not on the podium? You know, um, you're not getting that, that feedback. And I answered that, that you, you have to be willing to not be on the podium. You know, you have to be okay with that. And I don't know if we're out of time, but we listened to your last podcast, Brian and I, on the way home from the race. And Jillian, I'm just so excited about what you're doing for the, you know, she can try and I will DM you, but it's so, so exciting. It's so exciting. And Matt mentioned on there that I was going to be racing and that I had finally, after all these years, come up with my why. And, you know, you had asked me on that podcast, why do you keep doing it? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea why I do this. I really don't. And literally, I think two weeks was it, Matt, before the race. It was. I was teaching a Bible study of women my age who don't get this at all. <laughs> and they're just going, why, why, why? And and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's my answer. It's my pat answer. I don't Everybody always talks about 
how you have to dig deep when you're in the dark place on the race, and you do. But I didn't have something to grab as a why. I'm just, it's just my journey. And I was preparing, and I was, uh, our, our Bible study is on what women fear. And so each chapter is a different thing about what women fear, you know, the fear of being alone, the fear of this or that or whatever. And that particular week, the, it was the fear of failure. And that's not unique to women. I mean, who doesn't fear that they're not doing a good enough job as a parent? They're not doing a good enough job. And I can tell you, as a grandparent, you can look back and you'll, you're not. You're not doing a good enough job because none of us do. You can't be a good enough parent. You're going to you're gonna blow it. And I look back and I just go, wow, boy, if I, we would have done this, we would have done this, we would have done this differently. But we did the best we could at that time, and that's how you do it. But we all fear failure. We all fear some failure. So uh, in this Bible study, we looked at a couple different Bible characters from the Old Testament and one of the characters is this farmer guy. And he's just, he's, he's a farmer. He's in Israel. He's, he's sitting on his threshing floor working through the wheat. And this big old, big old angel comes. And, you know, you think angels are those cute little cherubs with harps, you know, on, on the top of the Sistine Chapel, but they're not. They're big old, burly dudes. And so there's this big old guy all of a sudden sitting with with this man named Gideon. And he says, hey, mighty warrior. And Gideon is like looking around to see who he's talking to because he knows he he is definitely not a mighty warrior. He's just this farmer. And um, he's asking him who he's talking to. And this big old burly angel tells him, you've been chosen and you've been chosen to lead this uh, battle and you're going to do it. And Gideon comes to the table with all these things that he thinks will help him, you know, like 32,000 men and blah, 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 blah. And it keeps being taken away. Like, no, you're not taking that. You're not taking those. You're not doing that. And the bottom line is, uh, that Gideon did with God's strength win the war. But the reason he was picked was because he was a nobody. He was an absolute nobody. He was a farmer guy, and he didn't have the warrior skills. He didn't have the running, biking, swimming skills. He didn't have um, anything to bring to the table that would qualify him to be used in his, this sport of war. And we looked at another Bible character. Um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be offensive, but this is just me. Um, there's a, a Bible character that most people are familiar with, and his name is Moses. And Moses was uh, this big character who leads all the Israelites out of Egypt, and he parts the Red Sea, and he's this big, mighty guy. But what most people don't know is same kind of story. God told him, I want to use you. And he's like, oh, not me. Uh-uh. Not, uh, not me. I'm not your guy. And um, God's like, yes, you are my guy. And um, Moses is like, look, I can't even talk right. I've got this stutter or something, you know, I, I, I'm really not a good talker. And God just looked at him and said, who made your mouth? I'll put the words in your mouth that you need, and I'll give you your brother to be your mouthpiece, but no, you're going to do it. And Moses got to the point where he just looked at God and said, choose somebody else. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that is 
my Bible study the w- two weeks before the race, it's like, I've chosen you, oh mighty warrior girl. Not because you're talented, not because you can swim. We both, we all know you failed pool school. We, not because you can bike, although you have gotten better. Not because you can run, because you can't. You keep throwing up and walking. You're not good at any of the things, but you're my little chosen warrior so that you can lead the way. So that those 30-year-olds can say, I guess I don't have an excuse. I guess I can do it. And that was my why. And I told it to Matt, crying like I always am. And he said, okay. We both cried. He says, okay, but it doesn't mean you have to do really well. You just give what you have that day. You Just because you are the chosen warrior doesn't mean that you have to. And you know what? I felt that peace and I did not cry that whole day. I didn't cry when I crossed the finish line. I felt that peace. I didn't have to, but I did. (laughs) So there you go. That's the end. Goodbye. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Absolutely love it. I love it. I love you guys. And what I said at the end of episode three was, I'm so glad you're doing this. I'm really glad you're doing this because there's a lot of podcasts out there that are for the that are for the bicyclists that pass me and push me into the cone on their way to the finish line. There's a lot of podcasts for how to make your how to lubricate with wax instead of oil and how to how to be just so amazing with your carbon pellets inside your wheels and your <laughs> electronic shifters and and your $15,000 bikes. There's a lot of podcasts out there for those people, but there's not a lot of podcasts for the mighty warriors that don't have a lot to bring to the table. And I'm really glad that you do. They don't have a lot of material to bring to the table, but they've got a lot of the most important stuff, a lot of character, drive, determination. Yeah. And you help them. Yeah. You help them. And to listen to what you're going to be doing in Africa, it's just amazing to to have Jay running all these miles around a lake because his brother died of ALS. To have Matt give and give and give. Y'all don't know how much he gives. He gives so much. You give, and all three of you are a package, and I bless you, mighty warriors. Thank you. Thank you, Kay. Okay. Thanks, Kay. Thank you. Oh, boy. It's a a good thing we don't do video. Uh, Yeah, right. This would have been quite a video for sure. Um, You know, Kay, I really appreciate you saying better than what I think Matt and Jillian and I ever have said as to why we wanted to do the podcast. And, um, and your story is absolutely what we dreamed of having, uh, when we all talked about this and, um, you know, yeah, we're going to continue doing it. If, if you did anything, you motivated me to double our efforts to get this, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep on going. Cause, uh, it's just so much fun 
it is fulfilling. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome to hear from people and, uh, and know that, you know, we're all warriors. I love that word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do too. I think, I think now's a fitting time for me to say the quote again, patience, persistence, and perspiration make an unbeatable combination. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. You epitomize that. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely amazing. And, um, like I said, I've been pretty quiet this podcast. I think emotionally, I, I wasn't sure how I would be. And this woman tugs at my heart in ways that I can't explain. And it's been my privilege and my honor just to be your coach and friend and just co-pilot, as I call myself. Mm -hmm. And you made me extremely proud and disappointment will never be a word that comes in to my vocabulary when I talk about you. I promise that. Mm -hmm. I promise that. Wow. Love all three of you. God bless. Real, real quick, Kay. So we, we just did all this like emotional type stuff. Was there a funny story, a funny highlight from race day or something that was, um, we heard the rainbow coming out, right? But then you just were talking about guys running you into cones. Any other, you know, behind the scene outtake from race day? I had two sisters and a brother-in-law show up who are not athletes. And, um, they were cheering and, and they were so cute and supportive. And I had tried to talk them out of coming because it's like, this isn't really a spectator sport, you know? I mean, and you have to walk and go a lot of places and it's hard and whatever, but they came. And it's raining and cold. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't know that, but, um, you know, I tried to talk them out ahead of time. Anyway, they came and they had signs and it was so cute. One was go Captain K and one was go bag and then <laughs> badass grandma fox news saw the old bag sign and came up and interviewed them and so so the local fox news ran a little clip <laughs> it was like oh my gosh it's so weird there were funny things there were there were tutus there were people dressed like bananas there were um uh you know funny as in not roll over and make you die of laughter but funny sweet um people are good people are just so good yeah the fact that the news picked this up means your reach of your story is maybe <laughs> a thousand or ten thousand people that watch that segment on the news that is incredible it's, i've got this little segment my sister sent it to me fox news sacramento california that is so cool <laughs> oh you'll have to share that with us you have yes. to <laughs> I'll send it to you guys. Incredible. <laughs> anyway, mute. Oh, I'm on I, mute. Right. Don't I'm ask me that. any more questions. Okay. <laughs> it's on Jay or Matt to close us out. Wow. That was quite a, quite a heavy one for me, Kay. I appreciate you coming on. I know Jay and Jillian feel the same way. And I know all of our listeners were anxiously awaiting to kind of see how your journey turned out. I was always optimistic along the way. And I always believed in you. And I always knew you had this in you. Congratulations. Beyond proud of you. Um, listeners, if that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. That tugs at my heart, and I can't tell you how amazing of a woman Kay Grant is and how fortunate I've been to uh, be her coach. But the journey's not over. She's still going to be racing, 
And, you know, you never know what, what tricks she might have up her sleeves. So we appreciate you guys tuning in, listening, checking us out. But as always, if you've got uh, an interesting journey yourself and would like to share it with us, you can reach out to us at triathlonagegroupjourney at gmail.com, or you can check us on Instagram and send us a DM there as well. But please do us a favor, go on your favorite platform, give us a review. We'd love to hear from you what we're doing right. As always, it's it's you that give us the inspiration and the desire to keep doing this podcast. And it just tugs at our hearts that we can motivate, inspire, and share your journeys with the world. So thanks. And uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. Have All a right. good week, guys. Take care. All right, Thanks. guys. Make it a great week. Bye.